Welcome to the Get Heard with Ian Roth podcast, where it is our mission to enable leaders to effectively engage and motivate their audience through written and verbal communication. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get Heard podcast. Awesome guest today, Joey Held, a seasoned and tenured podcaster, has two podcasts that are both phenomenal. So he's going to tell you about them in the show. Go check them out. They are seriously two awesome podcasts, one of them relating to the show Parks and Recreation. So thank you so much for joining me today. If you like this podcast and like what I am doing with the Get Heard movement, please subscribe. I have a new podcasting host that uh, with it comes a very, very easy way to subscribe and share no matter what podcast platform you use to listen to your podcast. So hope you enjoy this episode with Joey Held. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get Heard podcast. My guest today is the host of Parks and Rec, the podcast, and is also the host of Good People, Cool Things, where he's talking with entrepreneurs, musicians, other creative folks like him and I, so that they can share their stories and inspire others out there in the world. So, Joey, how the heck are you doing, man? I am doing wonderfully, and thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. Did I did I miss anything between Parks and Rec and good people, cool things. I think you nailed it. Well done. Awesome. Awesome. Well, real quick, why don't you give a 30 second shout out to your podcast you got going on or anything else that you want my listeners to know about you? Absolutely. So Parks and Rec is the uh, the elder of those two podcasts. Uh, we cover the show Parks and Recreation. Wonderful show, 2009 to 2015. And one of our hosts is in the Parks and Rec department here in Austin, Texas, but has never seen the show before. So we said, we got to fix that. And to make it a little more interesting, we are getting Parks and Rec while we're watching it. And nothing could go wrong with that. And then the newer podcast is Good People, Cool Things, uh, which you you gave a very succinct description of it, which was fantastic. Conversations and resources for entrepreneurs, musicians, writers, uh, other creatives. If you're thinking of starting a business or want to pursue a passion project, I would definitely recommend checking it out because there's been a lot of great tips so far and a lot more to come. Outstanding. I am a huge fan of Parks and Rec. And, you know, I, I feel like you're either The Office or Parks and Rec. I mean, I'm sure there's people who are both, but between those two, I'm definitely a Parks and Rec guy. I Everyone I mention the, the Parks and Rec podcast to, they say that. And I'm like, I, I kind of like both a lot. I don't know if oh, I'm geez. between them. There's I think Parks and Rec is more consistent. Uh, the, I think the peak seasons of The Office, I might like a little bit more than the peak seasons of Parks and Rec. But then there's so many down moments of The Office where I, I think I'd probably give the nod to Parks overall. Yeah, maybe it's like the great dilemma of Star Trek and Star Wars or something along those lines for you sci-fi folks out there. Exactly. I can, I can, <laughs> give, uh, I can give credit to both of them. <laughs> Good. Credit where credit is due. And yeah, they are both uh, phenomenal shows. My wife is The Office person in our in our relationship. And I'm the parks and rec guy. Very nice. Very nice. You keep each other balanced then. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Total balance. Yes, absolutely. Joey. (laughs) So, uh, so what we were talking about before the show and um, on LinkedIn over the last couple of weeks was storytelling and why as leaders, it's very important for us when communicating to our team, subordinates, whomever that we're able to, you know, tell a story, people learn and people understand and communicate probably their best when a story is involved. Absolutely. And I think you'll you'll find this, uh, if at least if you have a good speaker, uh, at any conference or event that you attend where there is a speaker, 
they'll almost always start with some kind of personal anecdote. Uh, you know, they were reaching up to pick pick up the paper, and then they see the paper boy on his bike, and he's tipped over, and his tire is completely off the bike. And they talk about how they didn't they had no idea how to change a tire. Paperboy had no idea how to change a tire, but together they were able to do it, make it magical, send him on his way, high five, everyone's happy. And that adds a sense of relatability to it because I could see myself in that situation. And in fact, I, I have not actually seen a speaker with this, this uh, you know, exact scenario, but I had a similar experience in the Dominican Republic where I was riding a bike as part of an adventure tour that I was on and it was a real old bike and the chain just fully came off. And at this point of my life, I was a college student. I had probably only been riding bikes for a couple of years. I, I was a late learner of a bike ride for sure. And a, a random boy just came up to me, saw I was struggling and I could speak a little bit of Spanish, but basically just kind of gestured like, hey, this is broken. And he was able to fix it and sent me on my way. And we like waved at each other. And I mean, this is what, 12 or 13 years later. And I still remember that kid. And uh, every once in a while, I'm like, I wonder if he became a mechanic or something because he was fantastic at fixing bikes. Um, but throwing in those kind of personal stories helps you connect with your audience, whether it is your subordinates or a new group of people that you're meeting uh, and you're drawing that connection with them and they're already going to be more uh, in tune with what you're saying because you have that connection established early on. Yeah. And I like what you said about how it, um, it creates the relatability. I mean, people can relate to you and you know, going up on the stage for the first time, you might be a very intimidating person, you know, being on a stage, if I were maybe younger and sitting in the crowd, like, wow, this guy must be good and smart and all this stuff because he's on stage. What can I possibly have in common with him? But then as the speaker, you break the ice like that and tell a story, very normal person kind of story, and it instantly creates that relatability with your listeners. I, I, great example. Exactly. And sometimes you might even see a speaker walk into a crowd like that too, where it's, you know, if the stage is elevated, they might come down just to add that extra layer of, hey, I, you know, I don't need to be elevated. I'm just like you. You could be doing this as well. And I think if you show your audience that, again, whether it's just one subordinate or a crowd of people that you're presenting in front of, that can go a long way in what you're trying to get across to them. Definitely. I mean, how many times have you, or I, I'll just speak for myself, I can't tell you how many times I've been listening to someone who is not relatable and you know, I just start tuning out. I just start getting more easily distracted. And then the person's done speaking and asked me if I have any questions. And, you know, I just kind of like, what, what were you saying? No, 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 no questions. But when I wasn't really listening, listening because I wasn't listening because I couldn't relate to the person spot on. Exactly. And that's why even just practicing your stories, uh, just in, in conversations with people can be super helpful because if I start telling you, about when I was sitting on my gold toilet and uh, you know an, another bar of gold fell from the ceiling and I was scoffing that it was only 99% pure. Like that's not a thing that happens for most people uh, unless I'm <laughs> totally just living in the wrong part of the world. Yeah, but, right. Uh, that, you know, you, you'd see people's eyes kind of glazing over while you're telling that. And then it's like, okay, if I am presenting for a new client or to a group of people I manage, that would 
not be a great story to share because it's it's just not relatable. So I think if I'm hearing you correctly, putting yourself in the shoe of your listener or your target target audience shoes, hopefully they're not just wearing one shoe, <laughs> putting yourself in the shoes of your target audience or listener will kind of help you get that frame of reference of what is relatable to them. So like you said in your example, maybe you think you're relatable with your story, but you know, with the goal just completely missing the mark and the person to whom you're talking cannot relate to what you're saying. Absolutely. I, I think um, a, a good kind of example of this that maybe is a little more nationally known, uh, the comedian Mike Birbiglia had a fairly recent stand-up comedy special uh, come out where he talks about becoming a father for the first time. And he was, I, I was reading some interview that he had done around the launch of it. And he was saying how he was doing these, you know, these various bits of what would become the the special for largely groups of 35 to 45 year olds, uh, which was, you know, around what his age was, and they were loving it. And then he went on a college tour and these college kids could not relate to having a child because they're 18 to 21, not really thinking about being parents yet. And so he added in a part uh, at the beginning where he kind of compares having uh, a child and, and being an adult to uh, getting a new couch and how, you know, you maybe had a couch initially that you found off Craigslist or, you know, next to a dumpster that you brought back. And then when it's finally time to say goodbye, you're like, this is when I know I'm an adult now because I'm actually putting money towards a couch that I'm going to be using. And it was, he, he took that feedback that he got of, Hey, this story is not relatable for this audience and was able to tweak it to make it entertaining and uh, stick with them as well. So telling your audience a story that's not relatable only not only makes them disinterested, but can actually kind of hurt your message and what you're trying to get across, kind of just like you said there. So initially that younger demographic who couldn't relate to fatherhood, maybe they, if they were in that audience when he was telling those jokes, they couldn't relate to it. And maybe they stopped going to his shows or told their friends that he wasn't funny anymore and, you know, really could have hurt the comedian in that, in that way. But it's great that he was able to figure that out and, and change and tweak his message to relate to that demographic. Exactly. And it's, it's the same as if, uh, you know, if someone's trying to sell you something on the street, if their first message is just immediately holding a flyer in your face and saying, buy this, chances are you're probably not going to buy it. But if they can connect with you on some level, you might at least be willing to hear them out. And it's it's the same in any kind of social setting like that. If all you're trying to do is promote yourself, say me, 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 uh, it's probably not going to turn out very well. You want to get in their shoes a little bit too and understand where they're coming from, what their challenges are, what opportunities they might have, and go from there. Sure. Make your story about your listener, you know, not just brag about yourself and tell a story just kind of selfishly about yourself, but tell the listener something that they would like to hear, you know, spot on. Definitely. So what are, are there any specific tactics that you know of, or you've used or seen used that help us or help you tell an effective story? Just kind of like what we're talking about. Well, I think, Again, this goes back to uh, probably high school English classes, I would say, where 
your story should have a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, if you are just meandering for a solid 45 minutes, it's probably you're probably going to lose your audience at some point. But if you're able to set the situation, a lot of times it'll be uh, some sort of problem or, or a challenge that you encountered. And then the middle part might be you hitting kind of rock bottom from that. So let's say, for example, your problem was that you wanted to start your own business, but you had no idea where to begin. And so you thought, hey, I can just do this totally by myself. I don't need anyone to help me. And so you spent $30,000 on office supplies and then realized that, hey, I don't know anything about accounting. I'm letting uh, consultants like swindle me left and right here. And all of a sudden you're closing up shop because you tried to do it all on your own when you really needed a team to help build your business and help it grow. But then the end of it is what you learned from that. And so maybe, you know, you were you were down to your last penny and you were at the store deciding what you were going to buy for your dinner to, to kind of wallow in your sadness. And uh, someone else noticed you looking at, trying to think of what a sad dinner would be. Let's say like uh, Frosted Flakes or something. It's like what you're, I mean, I love Frosted <laughs> Flakes, but if I was eating it for dinner, maybe that might be uh, a little a little lower than what I'm going for on most nights. Um, but they were looking at Frosted Flakes. You both grabbed for the last box and then got to chatting about your love of Frosted Flakes. Turns out this person is an expert in building brands. You talk to them about your failed business and they say, well, that maybe wasn't a terrible idea. You just had to approach these couple areas in a different way. And that gives you the confidence to get back up, get your business back out there. And now you're on stage presenting for all these people because you had an end to that story and it's continuing to, to grow and everything, but there's an end point where it's like, okay, this is what turned things around. And now I'm sharing it with you. No, that's, that's great. I mean, it sounds so easy to have a beginning, middle and end, just like any, you know, B minus high school essay <laughs> that, that, you know, we wrote back Hit, hitting a little to, close to home there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, um, I, true. That's we'll save that story for another time. But I mean, it's so simple, but how many messages do we see on through just throughout all the social media nowadays that don't have those three things? And it, it makes it not only unrelatable, but it makes it so hard to follow also. And I think that just goes to a general social media in general is to test your messaging, do A-B testing. You know, you can share the same message with two different images or use the same image with two different types of messaging on it. But so often I'll hear people, I, you know, because I work with, with marketers and in a marketing space a lot of the time as well. And I'll, I'll hear people say, yeah, we spent ten dollars or $20,000 on our social media marketing and just launched the ads and never really looked at them until the campaign was over. And to me, that's that seems like you're just throwing, like, I'll take your money. You don't have to give it to Mark Zuckerberg. He's got plenty of it. We Like, Ian, you and I can split this money that they're just throwing away because if you're not tweaking and and looking at how your messaging is doing and then making the adjustments that you need to, then your message isn't going to be as effective as it can be. People might see it, but are they going to be incentivized to click through? Are they going to want to learn more? Or are they just going to scroll past it and look at whatever the, the new hot cat meme is? 
That's still relevant in 2020, right? Cat meme? <laughs> I think so. I got your reference right away, okay, man. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying. And it's so true. Even if you're talking to someone or speaking in front of a group of people, you need to not just deliver what is in your head, but you need to be looking at the audience and just picking up those nonverbal cues of your listeners and then tweaking your message as you're going through throughout what you're saying to them and change it and, and tweak it as you see how they're reacting. Exactly. And nonverbal cues in person are sometimes easier to pick up on, you know, are their eyes kind of glazing over? Are they looking around, not seeming super engaged? But online, you can still kind of get that same sort of thing. If you're sending an email and people are opening it, but not clicking through, are they opening it and unsubscribing? If you're doing a social media ad, are people seeing it, but not engaging, not clicking with it? There's lots of ways you can tell through these different platforms if essentially people's eyes are glazing over when they see your message. So that is a fascinating parallel between that. So if you're in front of a group of people picking up nonverbal cues, you know, and, and tweaking what you're saying, as opposed to say, if you're sending out your newsletter or emailing your, your uh, email list for whatever reason, and you're able to see those click-through rates or deletion rates. I mean, that's, I think they're just so they're so similar. That's just such a great comparison, man. Absolutely. And it's, again, kind of goes to the power of tailoring your messaging uh, for social media, for your newsletter. If I have someone sign up for my mailing list that's brand new to podcasting and I give them a advanced podcasting course as their kind of bundle, uh, when they sign up, they might immediately be turned off because they're like, wait a minute, I barely even know what a microphone is. I'm not at this level yet. Um, but if uh, the opposite side of things, if it's an advanced person signing up to be like, hey, you know, I see Joey's got a lot of podcasts and he probably knows a thing or two. And then I introduce what a podcast is and, you know, what years do he's uh, that subscriber is probably going to be like, no, like this is this is too basic. This is like, I don't need this. I already know this. And they'll leave too. So it's really important to kind of segment your different audience members out there, just like you would if you were giving a presentation, you'd want to make sure that everyone is feeling like they're involved with what's going on. It just blows my mind that people will spend so much money for a marketing campaign and, you know, launch it and just sit back and be very passive, you know, as the results are coming in, as opposed to I mean, if I just spent $10,000, you're darn right. I'm going to want to be tweaking things along the way to get the most out of my $10,000 as I possibly can. Yeah. And it's, it's hard work. I'm not going to say this is a super easy fix all the time. Sometimes it might take 10 or 12 different messages to find one that really does resonate, but you do have to put in that effort or else you're really not getting that much of a bang for your buck. And like you're saying, if you're spending $10,000, I, I'd want to make sure that that's doing well. Yeah, I'm going to do everything within my power to try to make it do well for me. Totally. I know you work for a communications company. Are there any, maybe any best practices or worst practices that you've seen in sending out a message that you're willing or able to share? Uh, yeah, I would actually, to kind of continue the the leadership and storytelling theme, so many uh, folks, you know, at the C-level, uh, high, high management VP kind of positions are always interested in being thought leaders, uh, which 
a very broad term. It can mean a lot of different things. To me, I think it's kind of a mix of uh, media appearances and contributed content writing on company blogs, websites, that sort of thing. And very often they say, hey, I'm interested in this, but then don't put in, and I, I get these people are busy, but it's so helpful even just for half an hour to hop on the phone and essentially just kind of do a brain dump. Like you've obviously learned a lot and you have a lot of experience to get to those levels and to share that with whoever's going to be crafting content for you because yes, a lot of the times these are ghost written pieces. Uh, Sometimes they're written by themselves and they're always reviewed by the folks that are publishing them so they can always add stuff. But some people are better speakers than they are writers, um, but they still can share great thoughts out there. So if I can get someone on the phone and even if I don't really know that much about the industry, you know, if it's a newer client and it's kind of, I'm still kind of in the learning process to hear someone put it into terms that make it more understandable or that they can share an experience that they've had that I can use in that story then as a real concrete example to share with people. That is so much more impactful than just trying to do it on my own, you know, like not getting the opportunity to speak with that person. And you also get the nuances of their voice. So you can, you know, if you happen to say a word, uh, I know I've picked up the word wackadoo lately to describe a kind of crazy person. Uh, so if I needed to reference someone that was crazy in a piece I was writing, I might throw wackadoo in there. But I don't know if anyone else would pick up on that unless they've spoken with me. And so it's just little nuances like that to get a more authentic sounding piece out there. And so the power of just picking up a phone, hopping on Zoom, Zencaster, Squadcast, whatever you want to use to chat with someone, uh, even if it's just 15 or 30 minutes, can go a really long way. I think it's very interesting you said some people are better speakers than writers. I think that might be maybe the minority of people because I just for at least myself, find it easier to be able to sit down and think something out and write it as opposed to maybe speaking. It's more off the cuff and you're more liable to say something you didn't mean. But it sounds like in this example, that might be good and that might help one of these high-level executives actually get out of their brain what they're trying to say and maybe they couldn't form into words and write and send in an email. Exactly. And I am totally with you. I would consider myself a much better writer than speaker. But for some of these other folks, the thought of a blank uh, screen or a piece of paper is intimidating to them. And they're much better at just speaking out what they're trying to say. And sometimes, yes, it can take a while to get there. But when they do, like I'll, I'll, if I'm writing it down, I'll underline it several times or I'll bold it if I'm typing up notes and I'm like, this is the nugget. Like, this is why I'm doing this because this is a great thing that I would not have gotten just on my research on the own. And this helps so much more in putting out a piece that's actually valuable for the intended audience. And I suppose that allows people to maybe not overthink things. Like you said, the black blank word document or email is intimidating. I know what it is for, for me sometimes when I have a whole lot of things I need to tell someone and I have to sit there and patiently and diligently type it out. Whereas, you know, just pick up the phone and, and talk it out. It takes like a 10th of the time. And 
That way, if there's any questions the person has, it's like instant, you know, question and answer as opposed to sending emails back and forth. You know, it is a lot easier in that way. Exactly. And sometimes you might be working kind of through a, a third party. You know, we might be working with a client's uh, marketing manager or director of marketing, something like that. Uh, and maybe we don't have that direct access to a CEO or, you know, someone of that level. But what we've found uh, to be successful sometimes is during their week- weekly meetings, the CEO meets with the director of marketing to see how things are going. And we say, hey, can we just slip in like one, two or three questions? Uh, just kind of general state of the industry that's going on. There might be something in the news that's relevant. And just to get their take on that, um, because again, it's very hard to do everything by yourself. So having a team behind you that can look for opportunities where it's like, hey, you want to be seen as a subject matter expert on, let's say, supply chain, and then things like the coronavirus pop up, and suddenly supply chains are kind of hurt everywhere, and companies are having to kind of look at different options out there. If you can get just even a few, you know, two or three minutes on that from someone that is trying to be viewed as an expert in that area, and you can hear it directly from them, that makes it so much more impactful. We can then reach out to some of our media folks and be like, hey, we've got some great insight here from someone that's living and breathing supply chain and will be a great contribution to an article you're working on. We can share that kind of insight across social media and newsletters. There's a lot of different options to get things out there that maybe you wouldn't have known on your own, but having that expert opinion backing things up makes it so much better. That's awesome. That's a great idea to just slip a couple questions in there. If maybe you know someone is going to have some FaceTime with that person, just say, hey, I know you're going to meet with so-and-so. Can If you get the time, can you ask these two questions? And it can really help you out and enable you to understand their intent of what they're trying to do. And I will say to let the person know you're recording them. Don't don't make this like a wiretap situation yeah. where you're, good, you're good sneaking point. in. Yeah. As much as I'd like to think I could I could pull off a spy heist or something, I I can't condone it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Listeners, do we do not, neither Joey nor I condone any <laughs> undercover covert ops when interviewing people. So do not do it. <laughs> but uh so is there anything else that that we didn't hit on yet? I want to make sure that we talk about everything that we can for storytelling and communication. Uh, I think, again, going back to the kind of beginning, middle, and end, make, making sure that by the end of your story, you've you've gotten back at least to the beginning. I, I think there's it's fine to go on a tangent, but when you go on the tangent to the tangent, that's when you can get into trouble because then people are having a hard time remembering what the point was in the first place. So if you can address a problem, tell a story related to the problem, but you can meander a little bit, but by the end, if you're back to that initial problem and then how you solved it, that's going to be a lot more memorable and people are going to walk away remembering what your whole story was about instead of just being like, well, I, I kind of remember that part when he was talking about going to the store to buy chips, but I, like, I don't really remember what the whole message was. Uh, so not too many tangents, but you can throw them into add color as needed. Uh, that's a great point. I mean, I don't know why this I, why this comparison came to mind, but you know, Bilbo Baggins, The Hobbit starts in the Shire, and he goes on all these travels, and there's some tangents in there. But at the end, he comes back to the Shire, and it wraps up the story. So, beginning, middle, and end, and the end should 
in some way or another circle back to the beginning so that you kind of understand all of the whys, the the reasons, the why that the person made those decisions along the way. I love it. I love it. And to add another pop culture uh, reference in here, I would highly recommend anyone who hasn't read Kelvin and Hobbes to do it because I think Bill Watterson is one of the best storytellers, both written and visual of honestly anyone I've read. And again, you're not always going to have the ability to draw something to go along with what you're saying, but the way he's able to evoke a six-year-old kid messily devouring dinner by depicting him as a Tyrannosaurus Rex and just like rampaging throughout a village is just so fascinating and entertaining. And in the drop of a hat, he can take a really serious subject like Kelvin finding an animal that has been wounded and trying to care for it, but it dies anyway because it was mortally wounded. And then going into him insulting a fellow six-year-old girl because that's what six-year-olds do. In, in just like one, you know, one strip to the next, having that ability to shift like that is just so incredible. So I would just pick up any of the collections and read through them. And I think it's a really good way to tell a great story in a short amount of time because some of those daily panels are three or four panels and that's it. And uh, it's it's a really good way to think, how can I tell this story succinctly while still having a huge impact? Definitely from The Hobbit to Calvin and Hobbes, people <laughs> read read some stuff, get off yeah. of the computer, put the phone down. I feel like I'm 90 years old. Put down <laughs> the technology and read a book. No, but seriously, uh, I mean, the art of storytelling is exactly that. It's an art. And there's so many outstanding ways to do it. And each person who does it puts his or her own kind of flair and flavor on it. So definitely storytelling will make you an effective leader and communicator and the more you read, the better you can become at it and the, the more ways you can see that it is done. Hey, man, it's been a privilege having you on the show. Where can listeners go to check you out online? Absolutely. Well, I am on Twitter at Joseph Currency and on LinkedIn, Joey Held. Always love connecting with folks. That's how that's how we connected through Spotagast and then on LinkedIn. So always love chatting with folks on there. And then to visit Good People Cool Things, it's goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Very clever name. And for Parks and Rect, it's parksrectpod.com. Thank you so much for checking out this episode with Joey Held. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Made it super, super easy for you to do that, for you to subscribe, for you to share it with other people. And if you really, really like what I'm doing and you want to kind of go that next level in the podcast player or the show notes, either one, there is a link to support the show through Patreon. So it would mean the absolute world if you were willing to go to that next level, even a dollar a month. I would just be absolutely thrilled and grateful for your generosity for that. So thank you so much for checking out the Get Heard podcast, and I'll see you next time.